Amen. Take your Bibles and turn with me, if you will, please, to John chapter 11, the 11th chapter of John's Gospel. As we continue in this 11th chapter, the whole chapter being about the death and then the, and the resurrection of Lazarus, bringing Lazarus back out of the grave, which we will finally get to today. Uh, we've been three weeks away from this, and uh, it's kind of good to get back and, and get him up and out of there. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1138, and we'll read through verse 46. So Jesus again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. And Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench. Or King James, surely by now he stinketh. I still like that. For he has been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I, I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who had died, that is Lazarus, came forth bound hand and foot with wrappings or grave clothes. And his face was wrapped around with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him or loose him and let him go. Therefore many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he had done believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had done. This is the word of our Lord, an important passage. We've dealt for weeks now with the, the seven signs or the seven miracles that John chooses to really emphasize the deity of Jesus Christ. Every one of these signs' intention is to point to the fact that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, God incarnate. Every one of these signs uh, is to indicate his, his re real nature and real character as he has come into the world. Every one of them will show a different dimension of the lordship and the power and the sovereignty of Jesus Christ. Every one of them unique, but all of them in one sense pointing to that very same thing. We've looked at all those signs. I mentioned them again this week in my Grace Notes article, and I won't go over them again. But each one of them showing a different dimension of the reality of the deity of Jesus Christ. But not one of them is any greater or any more magnificent than this miracle, than this sign. The greatness of this miracle cannot possibly be exaggerated in any way. The mind of man can scarcely take in the vastness of the work that is done here in this particular verse. Here, in open daylight, before many who are antagonistic, many who are enemies, Many who want to see him dead, right there in open daylight, Jesus Christ performs this miracle and restores Lazarus to life in a moment. He didn't take a lot of medicine, didn't take a lot of, of agonizing over him. 
but rather he merely spoke the words and Lazarus came out of the tomb alive. Here is public proof beyond a shadow of a doubt that our Lord has absolute authority and absolute power over all the material universe to the very, very most intricate part, and that is human life itself. We dare not miss that as we look at Lazarus. We looked at him for several weeks as he died, and, and Jesus was called, and he delayed, and finally went back to, where, uh, to Bethany, where Mary and Martha were. Much to the chagrin, and much to the, the, uh, the advice against it by his own disciples. Lord, if we go back there, we just left there, and they wanted to put you to death. How can we go back there now? But he went back. But in looking at Lazarus, I want you to understand several things as Jesus comes back and approaches that tomb that day. There, there are really three, there, there's really two sermons here. You've got to get with me on this, okay? I've been out preaching three weeks. I'm, I'm really fired up. Three sermons at least. Two sermons at least here. Not really. But I want you to see as he comes back in this passage, there are three things that he looks to. He looks first to the stone. And he says to the people, roll the stone away. He says, that stone is a barrier to what I'm going to do for the glory of God. Get the stone out of the way. Now, I would submit to you that Jesus didn't have to ask those men to move that stone away. He's about to do something that's never been seen before in all of human history, pretty much, but from, at least in, in Palestine in Jesus' day. And yet he looks at it and he says to the men, take the stone and roll it away. God, Jesus never foregoes, never overlooks our responsibility in being involved in the work of God in our lives and in the glory of God in the earth. He could have said to that stone, get out of the way and the stone to the move, but he didn't. He said, I want you to roll that stone away. So the first first episode you see in his approaching the tomb is his encounter with the stone. Roll it out of the way, get it out of the way. The second one is with Martha because Martha somewhat objects to that. He, uh, she brings up some uh, problems. She said, Lord, don't you realize that he's been dead for four days? He's in there in, in the tomb and there's going to be a stench. He's going to stink. He started to decay already because he's been dead now for four days. Lord, if we move that stone away, it's going to be almost unbearable. Jesus looked at Martha. He said, Martha, didn't I just get through talking to you a few yards from this place? And didn't I say to you that I am the truth and the life? I am the life. If any man believes in me, though he dies, he will live again. And though he lives, he will never. And if he lives, he will never die. Don't you remember what I said about all of that? Don't you remember that I have come back here not for my own glory, not for your glory, not even for Lazarus' good. I've come back here for the glory of God. And if you will just have faith, if you will just believe, you will see the glory of God. How often is it in our own lives that, that God is ready to do something significant in our life? He's ready to show us something significant about himself. And yet it's our unbelief that, that kind of gums things up. It's our unbelief that kind of gets in the way of seeing the glory of God many times in our own life. Many times when God is ready to do something significant and, and, and clear, and yet we just fail to believe. Jesus says to Martha, Martha, just believe. Just believe, and you will see the glory of God. And then finally, he faces the most difficult thing. Of all of those, and the most difficult statement, once they've moved the stone away, before he looks into that grave, he, he looks heavenward. He, he, he speaks to the Father. He raises his eyes. And he says, Father, 
I just I, I know you've heard me, and I want to I want to thank you that you've heard me. There, there's not a plea here. There's not a there's not a asking God to do something that Jesus thinks he may or may not do. He knows what he's going to do. He says, I just want to thank you for hearing me. Lord, Father, I know you always hear me, but, but I thank you for hearing me now. Because of the people that are standing around here, I, I'm saying this. I want them to know that I'm praising you and glorifying you, and the glory is yours no matter what happens here. But the main thing is, I want them to understand by this miracle that I'm about to perform that you really did send me into the world. See, Jesus there comes back to the very purpose that John is writing this whole book about and dealing with all these seven signs about that one particular thing, every sign, every miracle, and, and especially Lazarus coming out of the grave right now, Jesus says, I want them to believe, Father. I want them to believe that you sent me. I want them to see that I really am from you. I'm not doing this on my own. I'm not trying to formulate some new religion. I'm not trying to, to lead people astray and, and somehow get them off course from Judaism or anything else. I want them to see your glory, and I want them to see what you are doing in my life as I'm about to face the cross. I want them to believe, Father, that I really am from you. Those three encounters, the rock, Martha, and then an encounter with the Father just before he looks into that grave. You see, Lazarus is there been there four days he's he's not gone anywhere and he's not going anywhere on his own initiative i think as we look at lazarus one of the things we have to realize that in lazarus in this whole story of lazarus while as i said earlier in the prayer it is a historical real event jesus really did speak into that cave into that tomb and command lazarus to come forth and he really did come walking out he who had been dead four days that's clear and the whole purpose is that we might see that miracle, understand that miracle, and see his authority and his power over all creation. But there's even something deeper I think we can see in Lazarus. A, a spiritual lesson, if you will, for you and me. You see, in this passage that we've looked at today and the, the previous two times we've been in, in John 11, we've looked at Lazarus, and, and really he's been in three different situations. The first situation is obviously he was dead. The word came to Jesus. He's sleeping. He's dead. He's died. And, and, and there's not a whole lot you can do for him. And, and I think that picture of Lazarus in the tomb being dead is a picture of, of natural man. Man that is outside of Jesus Christ. Woman that is outside of Jesus Christ. They are just like Lazarus was in the tomb. They're dead. Not physically. They're breathing. They're talking. They're walking around. They're doing all sorts of things, but if you remember the Apostle Paul's words to the, to the Ephesians, when he wrote these words in Ephesians chapter 2, he said, and you, talking to these people who are now Christians, who are now in Christ, who are now experiencing the fullness of God in Christ, he says in verse 1, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were, you were dead. Oh, you were physically walking around. You had, a, you had a life in the physical realm, in the natural realm, but you were dead. And he, said, he goes on to say, you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, 
According to the prince of the power of the air, of the prince that is now working in the sons of disobedience, among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of the flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, but God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love which, with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that the ages to come we might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no man may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for the good works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. I mean, what Paul is saying in Ephesians chapter 2 is very analogous, very similar to the way Lazarus is lying in the grave. He's a dead man. He, 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 has, he can't eat, but he doesn't have stomach problems. He can't see, but he doesn't have sight problem. He can't hear, but he, he doesn't have a, a hearing problem. He doesn't need hearing aids. Lazarus only has really one problem. It's not, it's not bad eyesight. It's not bad hearing. It's not digestive problems. He only has one problem. He's dead. Now, I contend to you that that's the only, if you got that problem, it kind of, pay, it kind of causes all other problems to pale in, in comparison to it, doesn't it? But Lazarus was dead. No matter how much Mary and Martha would go to him and plead with him and, and, and try to get him to respond and offer him his favorite meal or, or tell him a joke to make him laugh that he used to laugh at, no matter what they would do to him, he could not respond. He was dead. And he's the picture, the perfect picture of, of natural man. Every man, every woman who is not in Christ Jesus, who has not come to faith in Christ. He was a dead man. Second thing about him, though, we see him as he comes to the, as Jesus comes to the tomb and looks into that tomb and he says, Lazarus? Come forth. It's amazing that most people probably thought Jesus was crazy. Most of them who thought he was somewhat off his rocker anyway probably looked at him and said, well, he's finally gone completely overboard now. We, we said he had a problem when he's casting out these demons and when he's healing the sick and, and when he's making the blind to see and we, when he's talked about I and the Father are one and if you've seen me, you've seen the Father and I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. All those things that Jesus has said in his ministry, they've all thought he was just a little off. Some kind of Messiah complex, if you will. They thought no man could say the things that he says and be a sane man. That that's, always comes back to C.S. Lewis's uh, you know, uh, trilogy. He says, we've got to accept him. Either he's a liar, or a lunatic, or, or Lord. And most of these people at that time thought he was probably pretty much a lunatic. Some thought he was a liar. Some thought he was trying to make all this stuff up to bring glory to himself. They didn't understand. But most of them just thought he was crazy. And what would you think if you saw me walk over to the 
to the Somerset Cemetery this afternoon and just pick out a grave with somebody's name on it and scream out their name and say, come forth. You say, well, that shoulder must have attached all the way to the brain. He's lost it all. It's not what normal people do. I can hear the whispers in the crowd, can't you? I can't believe what he's doing. How, he, how, is he, how can he do this to Mary and Martha? They love their brother. He's died. He's in there. There's going to be an odor. How can this man have him roll the stone away? Does he feel guilty that he didn't come back? Maybe he could have healed him. And he looks in that and does the absolute epitome of stupidity if he's not who he says he is. Let's face it. If he's not who he says he is, he's about to make the most ludicrous ridiculous statement of all history. Lazarus, come forth. John tells us then that in a moment, it doesn't say how long it took, but it wasn't a long process. But in a moment, all of a sudden, in the door of that grave, in the door of that tomb, they begin to see a shape. It's a bodily shape. It had grave clothes wrapped around it, and and it couldn't run. It couldn't jump. It couldn't move quickly out of the grave, perhaps. Maybe it was very slow, as we've talked about before. Maybe it was just kind of a little waddle, if nothing else, to get out of the grave. But slowly but surely, there stood Lazarus. He was alive. Boy, he wasn't all that he needed to be. He was alive, but man, he was all wrapped up in grave clothes, things that belong to what he used to be when he was dead. And I can tell you that, that sadly, Lazarus in that position, standing in that door, that tomb, is a picture not of natural man, natural man's dead, but is a picture of what is the, a lot of people who are now alive in Christ but they're not what God has called them to be completely yet. Obviously, it's a baby Christian. Baby Christians come to Christ, and they're given new life, and and they're excited about that, but, boy, they got a lot of old habits, and they've got a lot of old baggage on them. they got a lot of grave clothes wrapped up around them, and and sadly, they, they just can't move very quickly. It doesn't look like in their walk with Christ. Sometimes we even look at them and say, man, what's, have they really even been saved? Takes some time, many times, in many people's lives. But I think Lazarus gives us a picture of baby Christians, immature Christians. And, and sadly, you want to be Christians who have only been Christians for a short time. But sadly, in our day, there, there, there really is a situation where there, it pictures a lot of Christians who have been professing Christ for a long time, but who have just not grown and not matured. And they still got a lot of those old grave clothes wrapping them up. So what kind of what are grave clothes for someone who hadn't literally been in a grave? Well, old sins that you just won't trust Christ to, to break out of your life. Maybe idols, things that took such an important place in your life that, that you still you still lift them up and you still want to have them alongside of Christ. Maybe they're things that are sinful. Maybe they're things that are dishonoring to Christ. And Christ is wanting to loose you of those quickly and get those out of the way. 
maybe they're things that are good things, but you just can't get them in right priority. And they become grave clothes. They keep you from running. They keep you from moving. They keep you from doing and being all that God has called you to be. Jesus looked at Lazarus standing there in the, in the, in the door after he gave him a personal call and a powerful call and a plain call. And there he was, there he was who was dead standing there. Not looking at them, they were looking at him. But his face was still covered. He couldn't even see all the glory of what Christ had done for him just yet. I wonder how many of us are like that. You know, we're just, we're just so captivated by the world and so captivated by stuff. So captivated and, and entangled in, in relationships and not honoring to Christ are so entangled in sins that they just continue to drag us down and drag us away from what God has called us to be, that we're just standing there like we're, we're all wrapped up in grave clothes still. And, and I think the word that God, Jesus gave to those around looking at Lazarus is the same word he would give to you and me today. Loose him and let him go. Unbind him and set him free. You notice Jesus told those who were around him to do that. I think there's a, there's a sign of mutual need here among the body of Christ. We need to help one another to be loosed. We need to encourage one another. If you look at the New Testament, all the, old, all, all the epistles have one another passages all the way through them. Love one another, care for one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, you know, exhort one another, discipline one another, correct one another. There's all this, all this mutual ministry that goes on in the loosing and letting go. Remember my ordination sermon many, many years ago. Bill Chilton was one of the men that preached there, and he preached a charge to the congregation. I'm not sure it was the exact proper exegesis of the passage, but he looked at the church and he said, here's my charge to you for as a church for Bill Haynes, loose him and let him go. Let him go preach the word. I think in our lives, there's a lot of us who are still just kind of bound up in grave clothes who Jesus wants to say, listen, be loosed. Let go of that. I've got great things I want to do in your life and through your life, but as long as you keep clinging to those grave clothes, as long as you keep looking too much like the old dead man instead of the new person that you are in Christ Jesus... Remember, Paul said, listen, when we are in Christ, all things have become new. All, all, all things are passed away. Let them go. Let them go. But we cling to them. We hold on to them. And we look like Lazarus did there. We stand there defeated. We stand there alive, but in, a, in, in sort of a wrapped up condition that we just can't seem to let go of. But then they released him. They, they took off his grave clothes. They, they, they freed him from the bonds and the bindings that were holding him back. And there he was. For everybody to see, friend and foe alike. For everybody to see, this really is Lazarus. This really is Martha's brother, Mary's brother, whom we put in that grave just four days ago. 
He's not decayed. Doesn't even stink. He's alive. But, but we know when we put him there, he was dead. And a miracle has taken place now, and Lazarus, who was dead, who was bound in grave clothes, has now been freed from those grave clothes, and now he stands there as a testimony to the grace and the power of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And what happens? Well, John says in verse 45, he said, well, many of the Jews who had come to Mary, that is, had come to comfort her and mourn with her and weep with her, Many of the Jews who came to Mary saw what Jesus had done, and they believed in him. They believed in him. You see, that's what's really supposed to happen in our lives. That's our, that's our purpose. That's our responsibility as, as believers, for people to look at our life and say, listen, I know how you were. You were dead in trespasses and sins. You were dead like Lazarus was dead in the grave. We've seen you. We know you. Yet now you stand before me a changed person, a new man, a new woman. You stand before me now and grave clothes have been taken off and you're, you're no longer the person you once were. You're different. When people see that transformed difference in our lives, and we tell them why it's the case. It's not because I just decided to clean up my act. It's not because I just decided, well, you know, I'll be a better person. I'll be more moral. I'll be nicer. It's not that at all. It's the fact that Jesus Christ has spoken into our spiritual tomb and has said, Bill, come forth, or Tom, come forth, or John, come forth, or Mary, come forth, or, or whoever, come forth. By his command and by his call, we came forth. By the power and by the grace of God. By the power and by the grace of Jesus Christ. By the power of the Son of God to speak into death life. Physically, in Lazarus' case. Spiritually, in our case. Many saw what he had done. Many saw the change in Lazarus. And they believed in him. Now there were some who went back to the Pharisees and said, let me tell you what Jesus has done. And we'll see what that leads to next week. But let me ask you this. When people look at your life today, not asking do they see perfection. I'm not asking do they see somebody who is putting up a front. But when people look at your life today, do they see somebody that's been changed? They see somebody that was dead and wrapped up in grave clothes and, and just looking dead and defeated and, and just... Or do they see somebody that's been made new? Old things have passed away. And behold, all things, all your life, all your purpose, 
been made new. You see, that's really the key to a credible witness. It's really the key to people being able to say, wait a minute, I've seen a change in your heart. I've seen a change in your life because Jesus is your Lord. There'll be others who will go tell another tale. And that causes quite a problem. What we need to ask, you know, we as Christians, many times we worry about the other person, don't we? Well, he doesn't look very changed. She doesn't look like her grave clothes are gone. I think the challenge that Jesus wants to give us this morning, don't look at the other person. Look at yourself. I think that's what he's saying to this pastor. Don't, don't, you've got to shepherd a body, but don't concentrate too much on their change until you're sure about your own. Get rid of the grave clothes. Be loosed. Be set free to be a force for the gospel of Christ. If, if you look at this, you see the power of the living Son of God to change lives, just as he changed Lazarus to change lives. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful to you for the power of Christ to change lives. We are thankful, Lord, that it's not something we do, but it's something that you do by your power and by your grace. Lord, you've called us just like you did to Martha. If you'll only believe, you'll see the glory of God. If you'll only believe, you'll see the power of God. If you'll only believe, you will see. Father, help us to see this morning, to see your power, to see your grace, to see your glory. Father, I pray you change lives today. Change lives of those who are still in the grave, spiritually speaking, and bring them to life. Change lives, Lord, that are alive, but are still clinging to the grave clothes. Father, do your work in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.